This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, quite a bit to unpack tonight. Uh, we've obviously got the Sheffield United game to review, a number of transfers, and actually Harry Clark has just um, been returning and on his way to Ipswich, it seems. We've got the upcoming game versus Reading on Saturday, and we've actually made a loan signing of ourselves. But before we get into that, uh, Dan Buxton, how are you, mate? You okay? Yes, I'm all good, mate. All uh, ready. Ready to get our teeth into last week and uh, lay out what's going to happen this weekend. Mate, we've got so much to discuss. Um, but like I said, before we get into the nuts and bolts, we've made our own loan signing. Uh, anyone who's listened to the pod for more than five minutes will know this voice. Andy Blinson, welcome back, mate. It's a pleasure to be back, mate. It's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> good, to th- good to hear that tone of voice again, mate. So, uh, yeah, always, always nice to have you. Um, so, yeah, obviously a nice uh, third voice to us some different perspective on things especially since my voice is looks like it's going to go again uh, hence if i sound really croaky then that's why um well let's kind of kick straight into it really so i mean boys sheffield united i mean we all kind of probably expected to lose this one didn't we um it still felt like deja vu and i'm, I'm sick of coming on these podcasts and and whinging or feeling down or disappointed about the bloody results it's, it seems to be at the bit repetitive to be honest um i'm trying to be a bit wherever i can but uh i mean andy did you get to watch this one mate no i haven't i didn't get a chance to go i've watched the highlights and that was enough for me i think <laughs> i'm sure a lot of the away fans uh wish they just watched the highlights to be honest it was yeah i've looked over stats and everything and you look at the stats and i know we say it's not everything but yet again we were the better team in a game and we get nothing from it. It shows that mate, when you got when you got the quality, you don't need you know a multitude of chances, do you? You make the most of what you've got, and clearly that's what Sheffield did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, Dan, did, did you did you manage to see much at all, Dan? Or yeah, yeah. So I've seen the game, and I thought we were. I said the first half, uh, they they started really well. We were really slow out the traps, really slow. Um, deservedly went behind early doors. 
Um, but I thought after, say, about half an hour or so, I thought we really came into it, to be honest. And whether that was because Sheffield were, you know, United were 2 0 up and they've, you know, took the, took the foot off the gas a bit. Uh, but either way, we've got ourselves back into it. I think the goal we scored was a bit of luck in that. I think it was an overhit cross, wasn't it, more than anything, let's be <laughs> honest, from, from Powell. Yeah. Um, but we've we've come out the second half and with the bit between the teeth, to be honest. I mean, I don't. I think I, I ever putting on the um, on the man of the match poll, uh, three one defeat at Bramall Lane, where we had the better of the second half after a dreadful start, and I had a couple of comments on there that were sort of um, you know going back on that and sort of challenging that and saying you know the better of the second half. What game were you watching? And I was like, I really don't understand what people are. Um, on about really, I mean, why? Why? I thought we were really good second. Oh, not really good, but we more than match Sheffield United. And this this team's going to get promoted, aren't they? Let's be honest. You know, we had more than enough chances to get to get a second goal, and they only we only conceded the third really um, through pushing forward. Were there any any particular outstanding players for you, mate? I mean, I've heard a few and um, varied kind of reports. To be honest, I mean, timing apparently wasn't up to much. Apparently, um, and. Jags didn't do uh, didn't do too well the ratings, but Harry Suter was was probably down as one of the strongest players apparently. So, I mean, was there any particular standout players? Because we criticised the midfield especially a lot recently. Um, yeah, I thought Baker and Powell actually worked, linked up pretty well. Um, Powell seemed to whether it was the goal and a couple of goals he scored recently that sort of sparked him into a more of a um, influence, shall we say, over the game. But yeah, I thought I, I, there was a couple of chances as well for Baker, and I thought he was a lot more involved. He wasn't. Don't, don't get me wrong, he wasn't the, the Baker that we've seen when he first signed or anything like that. But I thought he was definitely there was there was signs of that player there again at the weekend, uh, which is promising. And hopefully, having somebody like Nick alongside him will just bring the best out of him. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think I think Powell's probably the best player if, offensively for us. Um, Suitor, suitor, and I mean, you know, rather than just, you know, as long as you don't take him for granted, but he is, you know, he's a, he's a different class to a lot of players in this division. Yeah, yeah, he is a different class, mate. And obviously, we're going to go on to transfers because there's been a, a ridiculous amount of of going goings on today. I'm glad we actually decided to record this on the Thursday um, instead of the Wednesday, to be honest, because it would already be out of date, I think, by now. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll come back to to suitor and co. Um, I mean, Andy, obviously, I know we haven't spoken to you for a couple of weeks, mate. So me and Dan have tried to be as optimistic as we can and, and positive as we can. But obviously, you know, Sheffield, it's disappointing, but to be expected. I mean, are you able to offer any shining light for us? Any any reason to be optimistic uh, kind of coming into, well, I guess the rest of the season? Because we're only four points off relegation, mate. So um, have you seen anything that gives us a little bit of hope? I'm normally, I'm optimistic, and last time I've been on here I was, but I don't think I can give us any. It's it's very disappointing how this season's turned out, and it seems to be a repeating theme of us in the Championship, is that seasons just aren't going how we want, but I feel like we're more in a relegation fight than anything at the moment. I can't, I can't really disagree with you, I was speaking to the, uh, we'll go into Reading in a minute, but... I was speaking to the Reading camp today and even they're going, what the heck's happened to you? And we're like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> like, we, we're a team without an identity. We've already said this a number of times. Um, I don't want to kind of 
dwell too much on Sheffield United, to be honest, just be too much to talk about. But uh, again, I think we all expected to lose. Um, wasn't probably as bad as we thought. I know 3-1 isn't exactly a nice scoreline, but um, like Dan said, it probably flattered them a little bit. Uh, they just took the chances when they needed to. Um, but what I wanted to try to do uh, as well, we had some audio from the friends at Shoreham uh, View, so the Sheffield United podcast. We spoke, obviously, to them last week, um, and they've given them, uh, sorry, given us their thoughts, uh, obviously, of the match, and obviously see how, how happy they are. Not as happy as you would probably think. Hi, uh, this is Johnny from Sheffield United Fan Channel, the Shoreham View. Looking back on the game, we beat Stoke 3-1. Was it a glittering performance from us? Not really. I said on our build-up show on Beer and Breakfast that it was one of them games where we'd score two or three, win by a two or three goal margin, and come away thinking, really? Did did we justify it? And to be honest with you, first half, yeah, probably the better team. Second half, I'd... I have to give your lads a lot of credit, stuck at it, but you didn't really have that cutting edge that had made it dangerous for us. And I think we just took his foot off the gas. Another game where we seem to play well for 20 minutes and then take his foot right off the gas, and it's becoming a trend and a dangerous one. You guys just need something up front, I think. It's a, it's a big problem for you, especially because you're now getting drawn into a battle down near the bottom of the table. If you can find some goals like you did against us at your place, it'll be really good for you. You just need to find that cutting edge and I think you'll be just fine. Onwards and upwards for us, I think, need to put games like this behind us. Three points without playing it as best. If you're winning games, it doesn't really matter. But I'd like to see a lot more from this team because I know they're capable of much more. Good luck for the rest of the season, Potters fans. Cheers, chaps. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I said obviously it wasn't as much of a, a shining performance, um, which is basically what Tan's just kind of said. Um, I think, yeah, you're probably right. You don't really have to be have a, you know, a glittering performance to beat us right now, unfortunately. You know, they, they as I said, they've just taken the chances um, and kind of gone on from there. I mean, it, I, don't, I don't know where we kind of go from here. We'll we'll come on to it. I mean, man of the match polls, mate. Um, I know you said you got a few, you know, maybe backhanded comments from from, from the second half. Um, but was it was there a clear favourite? I think I remember seeing, I think it was it Suter was high up there, if I'm not, not mistaken. Yeah, so Suter won it with 24% of the vote. Uh, Powell was second with 16% of the vote and then there was a tie for third on 3% of the vote for Harry Clark, Jacob Brown and Josh Tymon. Um, the, the, there was quite a few people though, quite a few votes and quite a few different little uh, ones where people have added them, tagged them on the end. Uh, so Harvey... Just for a change. <laughs> yeah, Harvey Murphy uh, put the football, that got 1% of the vote. Uh, Dave Wright got the mascot, 1%. Uh, Andy Lloyd said the away support, 16%. Uh, Aunt Brian said Shawcross, that got 13%. Uh, Harry no Harry Noden's 11% for no one. And even Baydale, none of them 1%. I think that's a bit harsh, to be honest. It wasn't a take, not like we lost you know, 4 5 nil, and we, we didn't, you know, nobody turned up. I thought, yeah, they, they were in the game. They, they, they battled hard, they you know, created chances. And on another day, they'd have got a point now, wouldn't they? Which would have been a fantastic result, really, considering the form we've been in. So I think at the minute, I think I think that shows that the support overall, there's, we're very sort of downtrodden at the minute, aren't we? We've been beaten into the ground yeah. over a long, long period of time and struggling to find any sort of positivity as, as, a, as a whole fan base, to be honest, aren't we, at the minute? 
Mate, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously when, whenever we review games, you know, we try to be as, as balanced as we can and always honest. But, I mean, like even now, I mean, we've we've really struggled to pull any positives out of Sheffield. I think everyone's feeling a little bit down the dumps. And, I mean, probably moving on to things like transfers and, and, and stuff like that, mate. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of people going out the door today, uh, by the sounds of it. Um, Andy informed me that, what, a minute before we started recording, uh, obviously Harry Clark has officially left. Um, and gone probably to Ipswich, or by the sounds of it, on a perm deal. Um, do you kind of understand that one? I didn't think he's been that bad. No, I've I've loved Harry Clark here. I think he's one of the only players at the moment who seems like they actually care about what's going on. But, you know, I would have been sort of okay with him going back and other players going if we had got players bought in. Like, for example, you've probably spoken or we're going to speak about Bursic going. We hadn't got a replacement lined up which really worries me because at the moment Bonham doesn't feel me of confidence whatsoever and no. even from the last time I was on here I've still not seen Frank Fielding kick a ball <laughs> so yeah the thing like, as you said mate I understand people's people's answer to what you just said will be we need to get people out the door before we can get them in look I totally I totally get that um for me though I think you would have them ready to go so as soon as they're out quickly announced there we go such and such has come in you'd need deals lined up and who knows maybe tomorrow maybe they'll surprise us and we'll see a couple come in um but yeah i mean if we think about the right wing back spot for us for a start obviously who, who replaces harry clark then i've got to assume that sterling is fit surely that's, that's the who else goes there wilmot i mean wilmot's not a wing back but he's covered there no. when needed uh fosu is not a wing back but he's played there and then I can only think you drop down as low as the under-21s and that Carl Redding gets involved. Yeah, we, but, we've got to have something lined up, mate. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be that Sterling's fit, surely. Until he gets injured the weekend and then we really have to move quickly. But, oh, I mean, you know, you, you, mate, you, you've mentioned, I mean, you know, Fosu there. Um, mm. I was questioning for weeks why he's not been playing. And I thought tonight that obviously he's going to Rotherham yeah. uh, for a start. And obviously he's not been playing for us because if we do, then we have to pay more money for the deal or something like that. Um, I guess okay. it would kind of make sense because we he's, for me, he, he's not been a bad player when he's been playing forward. I mean, he's, we, we saw him at right wing back early in the season and he was dreadful. Um, you know, attacking on the left-hand side, he at least got in players' faces and made things yeah. awkward. Maybe lacking a little bit of a finished product. But, you know, again, he's not exactly a... A really old player. He's still got a lot to learn. So, um, yeah. I mean, for me, for me personally, mate, um, I, I'm just, I'm just surprised to to see him go. If I'm honest with you, um, yeah. and I don't know who's going to replace him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know either. Quickly coming back on Fosu though, he doesn't work at wing back, and I believe Timon's been playing more as a winger as of recent. But Alex Neal has also said that we need more wingers in order to play a winger system. So instead of timing, why didn't you play Fosu? Because Campbell can play on the wing. Hmm. Okay. I don't Dan. know, mate. I don't know. Yeah, and that's, that's fair enough, mate. I mean, where, where do you sit on this, Dan? Obviously, if we're losing Clark, mate, um, what what can we do? I'm assuming that we're not going to get a player in tomorrow to, to replace him. Um, if Sterling isn't fit or isn't, maybe he's another one that's going to return. Uh, what do we do? Come on, you're missing the obvious one. Brown, Don't brown, say brown, Jacob brown. Brown. Brown, brown, brown. I'm not going through this. It was happened last time I was on here, Dan. Not again. 
Hey, and it happened. I, I said it should happen, and it did happen. He can play. He can, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to say Jacob Brown. You are now our right wing. <laughs> but if you say Jacob Brown, you can be the right wing back until Dujon Stealing is fit, or until we sign somebody in the next two weeks or whatever. Then yeah, crack on. Yeah. Gives us an extra attacking option. Fair enough. And obviously, speaking of that position, anyway. Um, bit kind of slightly different news, but Tom Edwards um, came back as well, didn't he, Dan? Uh, from uh, from a loan from Barnsley, which, um, to be honest, I've been kind of keeping half an eye on it, um, but I didn't really know, didn't quite actually appreciate just how well Tom Edwards has actually done for Barnsley, to be honest. Um, now, again, we, we like to keep in touch with um, people from all over the country. So um, Alex has been watching him this season, um, and he's been in touch as well to give us a bit of an update on him. Maybe he's a player that, you know, post-injury could do a job. So uh, let's have a quick listen to what he had to say. So I'm a Barnsley fan and unfortunately the other day we received the news that Tom Edwards has returned to Stoke City following his short loan spell. Uh, it's been cut short due to injury. A player plagued with injuries, disappointing to see. He really is a solid player. Um, seemed to be a leader in what is a young team. I know he's only 23 himself but seemed to really step up to the plate and when he were called upon to kind of leadership role. So very good. Um, also has a key knife for goal. Uh, you saw the uh, the strike against Port Vale, your rivals. I'm sure you were loving that, you Stoke fans. But no, solid. Um, and it's disappointing to see him go. I think he uh, returned from a three-week injury against Derby in the New Year FA Cup. Played well until he unfortunately got injured again. So not nice to see. Um, and I know he's got some off-the-field problems as well. So I hope he can keep them out of his game, focus on rehab and really have, have a good career at Stoke because I'm sure he can if he stays injury-free. He made 15 appearances at Barnsley, and I say he's my player of the season so far. Seemed a good character as well in the dressing room, so it is disappointing, but the player's health always comes first, so best of luck to him, and best of luck to you guys this season. Not a great season for you guys so far, but I'm sure you've got the quality to stay off relegation and um, have a have a decent finish. Love it. Cheers, Alex. Appreciate it, mate. Um, so, interesting comments there. So, looks like a leader, a keen eye for goal, um, and he wasn't happy about him leaving and been player of the season. Uh, clearly made an impact, mate. He's only had like 15 games, I think, for, for Barnsley. Um, I mean, Andy, I think you're a you're a fan of, of his, if I remember rightly, mate. You went up and, and saw him at Barnsley, didn't you? I think one random yes. game this season. Yeah, it was the 3rd of September we had, I think, it was our opponents coming up away from home uh, on the 4th, and me and my mate were like, you know what, we'll go to a local game. We realised that Barnsley were playing at Sheffield Wednesday. We were like, it's not too far to go, and we'll go. We had a we had a good chat with him for about 20 minutes, and it was, we, he explained his reason for going out on loan was that Alex Neal hadn't had a chance to see him play properly, so he sent him out on loan to obviously get his experience. And when he didn't play in that game, which was the sad thing, but from what I've seen of him, obviously he scored that great, was it like a 30-yard strike against Port Vale? Yeah. But he's been brilliant for them. Like, I've been keeping a close eye, like I've said, and any Barnsley fan who I've spoken to is absolutely, you know, they're in disarray that he's gone. Because when he's played, he's played, I think, right mid, right back, and also centre-back. And every time he's played in the position, no matter what he has to do, he's managed to lead the squad to backline and get good results. Makes me wonder whether he's obviously Alex Neal's type of player. Because I think, yeah, like you, like you said, I think um, Neal sent him out to Barnsley. And I think, obviously, as you said, you know, had an eye on him coming back 
uh, maybe trying to force his way in. Hopefully he's done enough while he's been out to try and earn yeah. that place. Because like I said, we're not exactly rich in that position. And you know, Tom's a, a stokey, you know, he's gonna want to to come back to the club and hopefully yeah. make an impression. I never wanted him to go in the first place. I thought he was always a, a good enough backup option for us. Yeah, I don't think um, any of us wanted to go, did he? But No. Uh, we won't be seeing him for a couple of months because, well, he's got an injury. So, yeah, that's well, unlike a Stoke player to get injured, isn't it? <laughs> um, look at the injury list we've got. When we look at like young players, and I'll bring Dan into this because Dan loves his youth teams. Um, Nathan Lowe, Dan, when I mean, we've been raving about Nathan Lowe for a long time, I think any Stoke fan who follows the youth setup will know he's been doing really well. Um, seems like he's been attracting some interest from Newcastle United. I mean, Maybe we're kind of rose-tinted glasses here, Dan, right? But surely he's better trying to break through with Stoke than going to a Newcastle United youth setup, wouldn't you think? Yeah, because you'd think the way Newcastle are going, they are sort of rising level upon level. Like, you know, when Eddie Howe went in there over 12 months ago, they were fighting relegation. Now, right now, they're in the top four, but you're probably going to say they're, they're trying to cement themselves as a top six or seven side, aren't they? and get European football this year. And then next season, they'll want to be in the Champions League if they don't make it this year. And then after that, they'll want to be challenging for the title. So they're going to be very, very quickly, with the amount of money they've got there, very quickly progressing level after level after level. And to do that, they're going to be bringing players in, especially strikers, you'd imagine. So, Yeah, it seems a bit of a strange one. I mean, Tezgal turned down Leeds to, to obviously stay here. So he clearly... You know, is is seeing a path for him. Um, we've obviously questioned Alex Neal's, I don't know, openness to want to play youth. Um, kind of bit of a track record by the sounds of it for you know, favouring experience over youth. Reminds me of somebody else that one. Um, I mean, Andy, would you like to see Nathan Lowe given a chance next season? Do you think? I'd love to see him given a chance. Obviously, Tesco was given a chance against Hartlepool in the cup, and you know, why not give Nathan Lowe a little run out? Give him a quick 15 minutes towards the end of a cup game if the game's obviously being cemented. But, you know, with Tezgel, who's, I believe, he's the same age, isn't he, as Nathan Lowe? I think so. So, if Tezgel's managed to find a way, and they're both obviously playing the U setup together, maybe Tezgel may have a word with him saying, look, if it can happen to me, you are a striker of similar calibre to me. We can can both get there. And I hope that's what the case is, because I'd love to see those two as a partnership one day. I was about to say, just just imagine those uh, as a as up front, you know, come through the ranks, top class strikers, twenty five million each done. It's written in the stars, <laughs> and it's a fairy tale that. I know, um, I know. Obviously, that what you're thinking there is just a sort of like, like you say, a fairy tale sort of vision in your head, um, not to sort of dampen your chips slightly. Oh, here um, you go. <laughs> but having watched them in that FA Youth Cup game, I think they're very similar players, and I'm not sure that together is the ideal way to play them, if you know what I mean. I think they think very similar, a very similar stature and all that. Yeah. So they're not sort of like a, they don't strike me as a natural partnership, put it that way. But they're two very, very good players. And from what I believe, I think Nathan Lowe also had his suitors in the in the summer before he signed his professional contract, um, and I think we've said it before, haven't we? That any any seventeen year old that gets a professional contract 
uh, with the championship side should be very proud of themselves because that's no mean feat at all on your 17th birthday to be signed up as a pro. Yeah, yeah, you can't argue with that, mate. And I think the only, for me, the only way that he goes is if we are desperate for money and, you know, Newcastle offer a sum that we maybe can't refuse. I don't see that happening. I really don't. I just think they're trying to bolster their youth setup and, you know, have a couple of players who may potentially be good enough to come through in the future. I mean, yeah, Nathan Lowe looks great right now. You know, he's still, what, under 18s and he's got a long, long way to go before he's ever going to be ready for a Premier League team, I think. So I would much rather him stay here, to be honest. And I'd hope that he can see that as well. Um, yeah, but, he's, I mean, yeah. he's, averaging, he's averaging a goal a game for the under-21s, isn't he? And, uh, and under-18, similar to like Emery, in the, when he you know he kicked on every season into new level, but he's doing the same like now, sort of like you know six months behind sort of where Emery's at, um, because obviously he's getting his chance as Emery's progressing, he's sort of taking his place and then coming up you know quickly behind him. Um, like you say with Newcastle, obviously if they are aiming to be sort of, sort of you know getting in the elite European competitions, they do have that sort of European youth league, don't they, as well that they play alongside yeah. the Champions League. Like I say, could be going for that. There's also the Chelsea model, isn't there? How can with FFP, uh, obviously Newcastle being the club they are, they don't have the uh, sort of the image rights and, and then the worldwide fan base of a, of a Man United or a Liverpool or, or a, a Chelsea. So how are they going to be able to compete with them financially once FFP catches up with their spending? Chelsea do it by um, bringing in a load of young players and then sell, developing them, selling them on. So they'll buy them cheap when they like, you know, 15 to 18, whatever, send them out on a couple of loans, get them noticed somewhere, somebody comes in and buys them. And then that then is increases their income there. So to do that with 40 players and they sell five, six of them a year for five million quid, they've, that's an extra player they can sign for the first team then. So maybe Newcastle are thinking that's their way of doing it and he could be an option for that. But yeah, let's uh, again, we'll, we'll move on quickly because we've got a lot of uh, different ones to talk about. Um, two players that actually happened, which didn't... I think Delap happened maybe just just before or just after we recorded last time, Dan. But um, two players, uh, let's kind of cover quickly. Andy, um, Joe Bursic, you mentioned earlier on. I wouldn't say I was overly surprised that he went. Um, I'm surprised about the fee that I've heard about, if I'm honest. But are, are you... What was the yeah. fee? I can't tell you. <laughs> it oh, it was yeah. it, 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 no, it was it wasn't very much. That's also say, oh, but um, I've I've heard people say yeah. around about a million. But uh, what what do you what do you think to the uh, to him leaving? May I mean, he clearly wasn't going to get game time here, was he? No, like I've always said when we've spoken about him, you know, the future of Stoke City's goalkeeping. But that was more that when O'Neill was in because he liked his youth. But uh, I don't know. It was. It's one of them. It came to me as a shock, like I've said, because we haven't got a replacement lined up. But what I think the more thing that shocked me more was the club he's gone to, of Club Bruges, but then I've looked into it. Scott Parker's now the manager there. But I feel like in order for Joe to progress with his career, you know, going to Club Bruges is probably a good move because they have European football there as well. And, you know, he wouldn't have pretty much ever got that whilst he was at Stoke. So 
I wish all the best for his career and what goes on. I'll keep an eye on it like I do for pretty much any player who's left. But no, it's sad to see him leave because he was such a genuine guy. Yeah, I think he's just his confidence took a hit, didn't it? And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I don't know, mate. He just, I, I don't know. I think a fresh start is probably what he needs. I mean, I mean, Dan, were, were you surprised to see him go without us bringing in another goalkeeper first, mate? Or do you just think this is a, we need him gone so we can find another couple? I was a bit worried, to be honest. Um, very worried when I thought that fr- we are one injury or suspension away from Frank Fielding taking the field. Um, or even Tommy Simkin, you never know, do you? So we've got that's it. We've even got somebody who's right at the end of their career and hasn't played for a long time, or a seventeen-year-old who's had a couple of spells in non-league on loan. Um, very hopefully and probably a very promising career in front of him, but I'm not sure I'd throw him into a side on the verge of a relegation battle. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope that we do have. Uh, as as an old TP saying, some irons in the fire when it comes to goalkeepers. I bloody hope so, mate. We desperately like like you said. I mean, you know, fielding. Uh, I don't know how good the guy is. I mean, you must be bored. He surely stiff. can't be that bad. Well, I think well, to be fair, I think he's he's always been a very good championship level goalkeeper, Auntie, and he's always done a good job. I think he was like in the England sort of. Yeah, he was in the youth set up for England. Yeah, as, as, yeah. So he's he's had a good career. He's played well. You know, he said a lot, a lot of games at Derby, I believe, and stuff like that when he was younger. Yeah, Millwall, he played for a few years as well. Yeah, so he, yeah, but at the same, like I say, the the issue is he's not played for such a long time. I think he's come here probably to wind his career down a bit, like you know, Carlo Nash did for a long time, didn't he? Where he just sort of third choice. Yeah, um, Lee Grant. Yeah, Lee Grant. I think when you've got. If you're third choice keeper, it goes one of two ways for me. If you've got experience, number one and twos, then you have a young third choice keeper because they learn off the ones and twos. If you've got an inexperienced one and two, especially the level you're at, and you get an experience, you get an experienced number three in who's happy not to play as such because they just, you know, at the end of the career, maybe looking to go into coaching, whatever. And they, they then, you know, you, you, you're more inexperienced players learn off, off them um, because they need that bit of guidance sometimes around the training ground on a because you know keepers they're very they're very close-knit aren't they in a squad you know they go off on their own do their own thing and training and stuff um, and they have to sort of work very closely with each other don't they and get on as a group and yeah. I think Fielding's job probably has been to help develop Joe I'd say that's probably why Fielding's been, yeah, been kept on a lot of the time. Uh, and he, he when he signed his contract, I'm sure he fully well would have known that was the reason he was here. Um, emergency cover, but um, your main job, obviously, we've got a young goalkeeper, we've got an inexperienced championship goalkeeper in Bonner, and we've got a young goalkeeper in Bersic. Um, just pass on and guide them and help them, you know, become experienced and. Um, good level, you know, good at this level. Yeah, it would have been nice to at least maybe give him a chance, to be honest. And you mentioned him about being experienced. I mean, for me, Bonham wasn't exactly an experienced goalkeeper in terms of, you know, top level. Let's face it, he was a Buddy Gillingham reject. So, I mean, how Fielding couldn't be given a chance for me, I don't know. But again, maybe needs must, FFP, all that business. 
maybe that's all we could afford at the time. Um, Bonham hasn't been disastrous. He's just he's just not quite good enough for me. But um, another player who wasn't quite good enough, um, Liam Delap. I mean, for Liam, mate, I don't know. I, I said at the time, I'm not going to lose any sleep over Liam going. He scored three relatively straightforward goals, goals you'd expect any striker to score, to be honest. Um, I don't think it really had anything too much to do with his dad going. I don't know what you guys think to that, but um, for me, he was just too raw. Um, we didn't play to whatever strengths he's had. I still don't know what type of a striker he was. Are, are you either of you bothered to see him go? Or again, would you have rather have him than have no replacement so far? No, I'm not too, not too fussed about him going. The only thing he seemed to be good for was getting a yellow card. I know that sounds harsh with him being raw and a young lad, but three goals in 27, was it, or something like that? It's not what you need as a striker at all. But he's at Preston now, and he's a similar striker to Chad Evans, so no he'll start scoring there, won't he? Well, mate, if he doesn't, I said this to Dan the other week, if he doesn't start scoring, um, his stock's going to drop considerably. Oh, massively. This is his last chance to be forging himself as a championship striker um, because if he doesn't make it at Stoke, he doesn't make it at Preston, he's going to have to drop down a division and prove himself. Because Dan said several times, you know, youth football versus, you know, championship type level, it's a totally different ball game. Um, you know, he can't use his physicality to not play us off the ball because, to be honest, it's probably the other way around in the championship. So, he, I, I don't know. We all wanted him to sign. We saw what we got. I don't think many people were overly impressed with what we got. So, as probably a, a relatively expensive loan, I would I would expect, I really aren't that arsed, to be honest, that, he, that he's gone back. Um, we'll, we'll see in time whether Preston get the best out of him. Um and I think one player I want to just finish on uh, for this particular section, guys, it's not going to be a big surprise, Harry Suter. Um, now, it was quite funny because I was, I was saying to Dan this morning, Andy, that I've not heard anything on Suter for ages. Maybe he's not going to go this window. And literally an hour or two later, Leicester have a £10 million bid rejected uh, from Stoke, which, I mean, let's face it, mate, £10 million quid's a bloody joke, don't you think? Well, I personally believe he's worth a lot more than that. I think if I leave at minimum, he's worth double that. Um, on transfer marks, which is now everyone uses it for transfers and everything, he's apparently got the same value as Ben Wilmot. Huh? So if I if I was ever going to sell Ben Wilmot, I'd say ten million. But Harry Suter, obviously Australian experience, has played in the World Cup against Messi and Mbappe, two of the best players in the world. Twenty twenty five million is the minimum I would sell him. I can already feel Dan going, well, no championship defender goes for £25 yeah, million. that's the only problem <laughs> with it. Um, Dan, you made a point in one of the groups mate, I was watching that um, if he was playing in a different division, uh, Suter wouldn't have any problems at all going for £20 million. Yeah, so if he was, say, in the Polish League or the Romanian League, for example, um, he, you know, and he'd been playing at the World Cup and give the performances that he had done, Premier League clubs would would just stick twenty million pound bid into, you know, Cluj or whatever in Romania. Do you know what I mean? And and they wouldn't think twice about that, would they? And the fans wouldn't bat an eyelid. Oh, twenty million pound, yeah. Well, well, decent player, yeah. International sort of World Cup, good player, um, yeah. Coming from you know, top six, seven, eight, whatever side in Romania. And the thing is, in 
that league is probably the championship. Let's be honest, is not far. It's probably on a par with a lot of these sort of middle level European leagues, isn't it? So yeah, I, I can't. That's the thing that if he was playing in the, one of those, you wouldn't bat an eyelid if he moved for twenty million. But because he's in the championship and it's the second tier down in this country, it's like, oh well, you can't pay that because he's got he's got no Premier League experience. Well. How many, how many foreign players get brought into into the league with no Premier League experience and no elite yeah. elite level league experience? Yeah, too right. Yeah, exactly, mate. So, I mean, with that in mind, then, are you thinking that he's going to be probably going for more like fifteen million, and then maybe plus Iverson from if it's Leicester, for example, or is that still too much? I. I, I... I'd hope that Stoke would hold out for at least fifteen, at least fifteen. I'd be I'd be hoping they hold out more twenty, but this it obviously it depends how much they need the money, doesn't it? If they if they, yeah. they are good with FFP and they don't need that money because you know selling them because we think his stock is at a high point and that. That's a business decision. Selling him because we need to balance the books of financial fair play, that's more of a need out of, that's more a decision out of necessity. And you'll not like if if that's well known, you're not allowed to get your best deal then, are you? So it, it all and, and let's be honest, as we found out from our chat with Gary Mellor last week, agents talk to clubs and agents will pass on information about budgets and all that. So there will be a Agents who will know Stoke, how Stoke, how close we are to the FFP line, won't they? And that agent will no doubt be sourced out for whoever Leicester or whoever it is who comes in for that for that um, that bid for Suter. Makes you wonder, though, mate. Right? So, but we haven't been planning to sell Suter to balance books, surely. So, are we really that close that we have to be worried about FFP if we're surely already taken into account? All the cutbacks have already made in the first place. I don't think so. I, I, I like you say, because what if he'd come back from that knee injury and been no good? Or what if he'd come back and he'd had a setback and gone again? You, you just don't know, do you? So you, we, we out of any club should know that we can't rely on, on keeping players fit to sell them in a win in a transfer window. <laughs> and our injury record of our key players in the past few years. <laughs> God so, no. So. If that's the case, then like say, surely we we've been sensible enough to manage um, the financial levels without the sale of, of of a key player. And if then, like say, if that then comes back to a footballing decision, Alex Neil's got that decision to make. Does he want to sell one player to fund the incomings of three or four or five, or does he want to? keep that one play because he's possibly and probably in my opinion the best defender in the league and build a side around him and maybe be looking towards the summer to do most of his recruitment yeah well for me I think if Suter's worth say 15 million now he'll be worth, he'll, he'll be worth 15 million in the summer unless of course we get relegated but even then his stock would still be quite high the way so, I see his value though is we sold Collins for 14 it was 12, wasn't it, for Collins? No, 14, I've just checked. Well, the thing as well, Baz, just just out of, um, you know, 
think back to the chats we've had. Um, I'm just name dropping this conversation. When we chatted with Kieran Maguire last year, and he was on about um, how FFP works. Yeah. Okay. He, obviously, if we were to if we were to sell Harry Suter for 15 million pounds, that doesn't give us 15 million pounds to spend yeah. in the transfer window. That would actually say if we signed four players on five-year contracts, then that gives us 50 million times five because their fees will be split over five years. So that 15 million pounds we sold Suter for could in actually, if we wanted to, give us 75 million pounds to spend, for example, if we did longer contracts. I'm not for one second saying that, A, we would go out and buy five £15 million players on five-year deals. I'm not saying we can afford the wages of five players or anything. I'm just using that as, as an example that that £15 million could actually free up a lot more money if we know that that money is further down the line, maybe from the stadium sale and all that. Yeah, however we can however we can fluff it this time. That's right. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. Um Tricky, very, very tricky to, to know what's going to happen, mate. But um, I'm not going to bring up Kilkenny. Kilkenny is probably going to be off as well. Um, but who knows? I think we saw him against Accrington, didn't we, in a friendly? Uh, that's the last time I remember actually seeing him do anything. Um, so, yeah, for me, don't care less. Um, a couple of quick dates for people just before we move on to Dan's um, youth and women's uh, overview. So a couple of quick dates. So Stevenage on the 28th of Jan, everyone knows probably by now that I think it's kids for a quid um, offer that's going on. And something that I will add is something that Supporters Council have been banging the drum about uh, for some time. So I don't know whether we had any impact on that whatsoever. But, um, yeah, it's good to see that the club have taken that up. I think it's it's the perfect type of game to get kids involved and, um, you know, torture them for life. Might as well start now. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, you know, that goes quite well. And at the same time, we know money's tight. Um, if you can get to the game, this is the type of thing where, you know, they're trialling these types of ticket initiatives. If it doesn't go down well, they might not do it again. So, you know, if you can get the kids to the game, uh, take advantage of it wherever we possibly can, I think, is probably the the, the message there. Um, so final day has been pushed back to the 8th of May, I've noticed now. So uh, relegation day is now going to be on a Monday, Monday the 8th of May. Um, and Swansea away, which no doubt, uh, Andy, you're probably going to go to because you're an absolute nutcase. I haven't um, been to a few away <laughs> games this season, in fact. And has it really beaten out of you that much? <laughs> yeah. Like, against Sheffield United, I saw it, and I was going to go, and then it went off sale, and I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, mate, if you did fancy it, um, it's on the 21st of February, on a Tuesday night, uh, which is I'd rather not, hell yeah. of a way. I'd mate, not. no, not like a Tuesday night. I'm not doing Middlesbrough. No, all credit to anyone who goes on to Swansea on a Tuesday night. No chance. Um any final things before we move on to the women's on the transfer front? Or uh, did you say kids for a quid at Stevenage? This isn't it, I think. Kids for a quid. And I think an adult's twelve pound fifty, ten pound on a season card. Take up the children. Won't somebody please take up the children? No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Jesus! You had that ready to go, didn't you? Dan. I did. <laughs> I could just imagine you frantically typing away on, on YouTube, kids, real quick. You know, 
I had to send it to somebody earlier the other day, so who's in my phone already? <laughs> Mate, if the people think of the children, they won't take them to the game because, as I said, it's bloody torture. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably about it for the transfer bits, mate. But give us a bit of an update on the under 18s and women's. I think it's been a, a decent week, especially on the youth front. He, well, uh, it's been a quiet week to be honest. So the under 18s, they didn't have a game last week uh, or this week, which is probably about right because with the weather, you know, it says they don't say they wouldn't have got one on anyway, would they this weekend? Um, however, the next round of the youth cup draw has taken place. Uh, and we have been drawn at home to West Ham or Burnley in the next round. So our reward for beating Man United is West Ham or Burnley. That tie is being played at Burnley this Saturday, 1pm kickoff. Um, now, Burnley, uh, don't, they don't think they've got an academy set up. Um, so that would probably be the better, if I would dare say, uh, the better tie for us. It purely because West Ham have won, I think they've won every game this season in the league in their section. I suppose uh, if you knock out Man United, though, mate, you'd fancy us to pull one over on them. Yeah, so I think they, like I say, in, in their sort of section of the league, I think they're sort of like unbeaten this season and then won every game. And I think someone said they're about 14 points clear at the top. So let's hope that Burnley do West Ham just to. You know, <laughs> Just because, you know, why not? If <laughs> we want it easier, also wants an easier tie. Um, but then again, if you're going to win it, you've got to beat everybody, so they say, don't they? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's under 18s. Under 21s lost at home to Forest um, this past week. Uh, DiMaggio Wright Phillips gave us an early lead for two Forest goals, come back, and they won 2 1. Uh, there is no game for the under 21s this week. Um, so yeah, into February before they reconvene and play again. Uh, the women they didn't have a game last week either, uh, but they they do have a game this week. They travel to Derby on Sunday for a two pm kickoff. Brilliant, good. And one one of my uh, mates at works uh, girls got a trial um, down at Stoke actually, uh, a four week trial. So I might be seeing her um, in the setup as well at some point in the future. Fingers crossed. So good luck to uh, to Amber. Um, that pretty much ties us up for that section. Have you got anything else that either of you boys want to discuss before we go on to the uh, the Reading, hopefully, um, win? But well, hold my breath. Any, any other comments? Not really, but oh, I've just seen an amazing tweet from Ben Rowley. Oh, go on. Four players and likely one or two more on the way out. None so far coming in. Perhaps we should sing the Kaiser Chiefs because I predict a riot at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Jeez, <laughs> Ben. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> we do love Ben, though, don't we? Right, where's Dan with our predictor riot on YouTube? <laughs> um, um, Dan, what did you want to say? say um, when we did the Man of the Match stuff earlier on, now, obviously, for the, over the course of the season, Ben Wilmot is on is in first place, 252 points. Now, his closest person was Harry Clark in second on 290, so he's not going to be adding to that. In third place at the minute, we've got Tariq Fosu on 261. Looks like he's off. He's not going to add to that. <laughs> Which means that the nearest challenger to Ben Wilmot at the minute is Phil Jagielka on 252 points, a whole 100 behind him. Oh, Jesus. Who's before him? Uh, so, so, what, after Jagielka? Yeah. yeah. 
uh, Josh Timon on 241. Considering Josh Timon missed half of the games we played this season. <laughs> My God. Oh, we're going to see Josh again, are we, at the end of the season? All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it's Morgan Fox. Uh, and then it's Lewis Baker, who's just sort of trundling his way down rather than going up, to be honest. Uh, then Dwight Gale. Oh, Christ. Joe Brunasicki's another oh one. He's going to improve on ninth. Connor Taylor in tenth, and then Tyrese Campbell in eleventh. Mate, to think so that Morgan Fox. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, mate, Morgan Fox is the only one that's, along with Tymon and well, clearly Jagielka, that um, are anywhere near. Oh, that's ridiculous. We would never have had Morgan Fox even at the even at the bottom of our man of match polls previously. So. <laughs> It shows how good the guy's been this season. I think Again, he's one of our most improved players. Yeah, hundred percent. Just tell you that I, mean, I know. I know we've changed the uh, the way we do it, haven't we? This year, yeah. Um, but Morgan Fox didn't get a single man of the match vote the whole of last season. Wow. <laughs> Jesus, that adds to the argument of what I've just said. Probably very much deserved. I will add, but yeah. All right, fair enough. Anyway. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, James so... Chester got votes. And Dehaney. I suppose me and you did. I mean, Stewart and Block 9 got more votes than Morgan Fox. <laughs> you got a first um, fans last season. He did. Uh, anyway, let's uh, have a look at Reading uh, this week. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, a bit of a different start to uh, to this week's section. Before we start digging into all the ins and outs of this weekend's game, uh, let's have a listen from the Reading camp. So, Matt from the Elm Park Royals has been in touch with a bit of an update on their season, um, how they're doing under Paul Ince, and of course, one or two players who may be uh, making a reappearance at the Bet365. Hi, it's Matt from the Reading FC fan-led podcast, Elm Park Royals. Um, Reading come into this game against Stoke. It's been um, a bit of an interesting few weeks. Obviously, back at the start of the season, when we last played you, everyone was looking relegation, you know, surviving 20, 21st place, just get their points, just get the points on the board to get there. And that's the goal. Obviously, we now sit in 14th. We're 11 points above relegation now as well. And it's... I don't want to say it, but nerves are starting to, you know, alleviate a bit on the relegation side. Um, but 
the football, some people are getting a bit frustrated with. It's very defensive still. You know, we play five at the back. Paul Lintz will always make defensive substitutions. And it, it came back to bite us, obviously, against QPR. We were 2-0 up at home pretty much after half time. Went defensive, brought on two extra defenders for a wing back and midfielder um, and ended up throwing away a 2-0 lead at home. Um, it's been a bit of a recurring theme on that side with, with Paul Lintz at the moment. Um, on the tactics, defensiveness, um, really, because I think he's still of the mind, you know, get to 50 points, get championship safety, and then we'll move on from there. You know, like I said, as, as we stand with 14th, 11 points above relegation, fans, I think, are starting to look more up than they are down, um, which leaves us in an interesting position, you know, coming to a team like Stoke at the weekend, sitting 20th, most will probably think it's a game, you know, you never like really saying it as a fan because everyone seemingly says it against your team that, you know, you want to look to win because you're higher in the table. Um, but Reading have one of the worst away away records in the championship. I think we're 22nd. We've only won three games out of, I think it's 14. We've played away from home. Um, we're not the best on the road, seemingly. Um, so it should be an interesting game. We had We did have a few injuries. Andy Carroll, Shane Long both went off injured as did Sam Hutchinson in the QPR game. So just as we seemingly got a full squad back into training, we've seemingly lost a few um, for the for the, for the the Stoke game. Um, whether they'll be fit, it's unsure yet. H- Hutchinson definitely won't be. Carol Long might be, because um, I think there were just slight tweaks. I think Carol rolled his ankle um, and Long had a, a calf strain or a calf injury. Um, but realistically on a score prediction side of things would I like to win of course I would you know you want you never want to say you don't want to see your team win at the weekend um but you know I'm I'm still very much of the mind get us to get us to 50 points get the safety so give me a give me a draw at the weekend and um I'll be happy if we can get a a 1-1 you know I'd certainly take that and I'm sure you know most Reading fans will be happy with that as well so um yeah looking forward to the game at the weekend I will be up there so um hopefully it'll be a good game um, and yeah, good luck to both teams. Matt, thank you very much. Yeah, so um, very defensive in their play by the sounds of things then. So um, we haven't got a great record about breaking other teams down, uh, to be honest with you. So if those are going to sit back and try and hit us on the break potentially, then maybe that's the that's kind of going to be our, our Achilles heel. But um, strangely enough, didn't really sound awfully happy with with Paul Ince there to be honest and it got a bit of the the 50 point mindset which um again sounds familiar uh what I didn't realize I was I always thought Reading were a bit of a I don't mean this in a very disrespectful way what I say a nothing club and I didn't mean it as in nothing as in they they ne- they're never relegation they're never promotion that they're just a mid-table club uh, in fairness just like Stoke are these days but I didn't realise that they'd won three from 14 away. I didn't realise they were actually that bad, to be honest. But Dan, no doubt you've got stats around this stuff. But um, maybe, just for once, we can nick it, play on the front foot, get a bit of, you know, just just play on the front Yeah, play on the front uh, foot for once. Just go at them and maybe, you know, score more than a one goal and don't concede. You know, really surprising uh, things to say. But, um, Dan, I'm sure you've got some stats to enlighten us with, mate. I have indeed. Of course I have. So I am going to fire you through some stats. So we have played Reading 57 times. We have 20 wins, 18 draws and 19 defeats. 
At home, we've played them 28 times, 14 wins, 8 draws and 6 defeats. Now, we are unbeaten in 6 home games versus the Royals since a 1-0 defeat in 2005, but have drew 3 of the last 4 games at the Bet365 Stadium, 0-0. Oh, great. Um, Stoke are 23rd in the home table with 12 points from 13 games and scored 13 goals in that time. Uh, and whilst Reading are 22nd in the away table with 11 points from 14 games, scoring a mere 11 goals in those 14 fixtures. Over the last five games, Stoke are 19th in the form table with four points, whilst Reading are 14th in the form table with seven points. Uh, top scorer on the pitch at the weekend will be Tom Ince, who has got six goals this season. Um, Lewis Baker and Lucas Zhao both have five, while Tyrese Campbell and Andy Carroll both have four. Uh, the managers have met once before, uh, when to- uh, Paul Ince, his team, run out winners, and that was the Potters 2-1 defeat at Reading in Alex Neal's second match in charge earlier this season. Um, talking of Paul Ince, he has been in charge for 11 months which makes him the seventh longest-serving manager in the division. <laughs> Alex Neal this week moved up into the 11th position <laughs> after four and a half months in charge. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Um, yes, just a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, yes, I do have some other stats. So we have not lost the 28th league game of the season for 10 years. So until Saturday, until Saturday, until Saturday, um, and the next seven games are Reading at home, Swansea away, Luton away, Hull at home, Huddersfield at home, Blackpool away, and Millwall at home. What do those seven games have in common? Seven defeats. Last season, we won every one of those games. So the next seven league fixtures we have, we won every single one of them last season. Mate, if we go and win seven games, we're talking about playoffs again. <laughs> we are. God, yeah. I hope not. After watching Man City tonight, the last thing we want to do is play Man City next year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and just to uh, just to bring you back down to earth after that stat, uh, we've, in 13 home games this season, we've failed to score in six of them, which is more than we did in the entirety of the last two seasons. That is all my stats. Would you like some referee w- w- stats? I mean, yeah, I have some stats, Daniel. I've no, not sorry, forgotten it. I've not forgotten it. No, Mike sent me the message earlier. I was like, yeah, let me just prepare myself here. Go on then. Yeah. A couple of, couple of quick fire stats. Stoke have lost their last two league matches against Reading, having gone and beaten their previous nine games, as Dan did mention. Obviously, Reading are looking to complete their first league double over Stoke since the 05-06 season, when the Reading did win the championship that season. Stoke have scored the opening goal in fewer games this season than any other team in the championship, which is eight. And at the other end, Stoke have conceded the first goal more often than any team in the championship, which is 18. Only Wigan, with 12,710 minutes, have given more minutes to players aged 30 or above in the championship this season than Reading, who have 11,834 minutes. And Reading have won just one of their last nine away league games, which is they last won a 2-1 against Hull back in November. Mm, look at you. That must be touch, Java. <laughs> no, you've, uh, you've you've done yourself some good service there, mate. Um, I'm going to be honest, from all the stats that you've kind of given me, 
Uh, I'm still no more confident that we're going to get get three points this weekend. Nor am I. Um, I mean, me and Dan were having a chat about this. I mean, let let let's think about it, right? So, weather, cost of living, um, people have got other things to do. God, I mean, there's there's multiple reasons. It's going to be the, the the lowest attendance of the season for me, regardless of what number gets announced. Uh, in terms of physical bodies in that stadium. I do worry that it's going to be the lowest attendance. It's going to be a bit of a drab match to quite unattractive teams to watch. Let's be honest right now. Um, I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping they're going to prove us wrong, mate. I really, really do. Um, My my worry here has been, yeah, yeah, fans, yeah. that's, That's part of my worry, mate. You know, we're going to be back at home again, which we all know has been an absolute bloody disaster this year. Um, I would actually fancy us if we were going to Reading on Saturday. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to say. All I will say is that, you know, Reading are a very strange team. I think they beat Watford 2 on the corporately true versus Norwich and QPR. Um, yeah. And obviously they come here before they play Man United in the Cup. The only kind of saving grace for us, I think, maybe, which might allow us to sneak it, is their players may have one eye on, on Man United. Um, and I know they seem to play them a lot these days in the cup, but still, those sets of players will want to um, want to get into that cup game. So whether they're going to try and play um, at the skins or re- you know reserve themselves, I don't know. But um, yeah, I- I'm sure you know Dan's going to depress us with a certain referee who I believe is going to be returning, which um, isn't exactly a I don't know. He's not a popular person on this part, is he, Dan? Pitchforks at the ready, people. Not Gavin Ward, is it? <laughs> oh yeah, Gavin Ward oh, is my God, no. today. So that's a red card so, for us, at least. So not not the uh, ex Stoke goalkeeper, unfortunately. We'll have to put up with the actual referee, Gavin Ward. Uh, this season, he has refereed twenty-two games, seventy-nine yellows, two reds, and five penalties he's awarded. It's amazing he's given those two reds because he seems to have lost that card when we played Huddersfield last year, didn't we? And Taylor Howard Bellis was nearly had his leg taken off and he decided that it was a throw-in. Considering <laughs> um, as well, mate, that we've not actually had a red card this season as well. Have we not? Yeah. No, so, we have Wow. So uh, in 12 Stoke games, he has given us two reds and he's given out the opponents that we've played two reds. In that Huddersfield game, he should have given them alone two red cards, and he didn't. Uh, but in those 12 games, he actually we have won three, lost three, and drew six. So not actually a terrible record of him refing. He's just a terrible decision-maker and referee, <laughs> in, in my opinion. Uh, he has refed us in our 1-0 home defeat to Rotherham this season, when we had about, was it 28 shots and still managed yeah. to lose 1-0? Yeah, and they had about three. Yeah, and uh, he ref Reading in their 2-1 away win at Hull. So they don't win very often away, but he did ref them in one of their victories this season. Uh, but he did also ref them in a 4-0 defeat at Bramall Lane to Sheffield United, um, which took place early on in the season when Reading were actually top of the league going into that game. Yeah, so basically, don't just don't come this weekend. We'll, we'll, Dan will referee. <laughs> it'll be it'll be completely unbiased. It'll only show five red cards to Reading players. I'm a qualified um, ref. I could do that job. I can do there that. you go. 
There you go, mate. I tell you what, there's a podcast. Get a referee on asking to explain Gavin Ward's decisions. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, a couple of things looking at. Uh, key players as well, Dan. I mean, you probably were going to mention this at some point, but um, everyone plays 3-5-2. No big surprise or shock there. Um, Hendrick knows where the net is. I think he bagged a couple again the other week. Um, what players coming back uh, this week, Dan? Is it big Andy Carroll? It's Andy Carroll, but it's also um, Mr. Tom Ince. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought you thought you meant like comeback from injury. Yes, of course. Tom Ince making his a return to the Bet Three Six Five. I'm sure he yeah. won't have a point to prove. Will he? After he was booed and harassed out of here last time he was uh, he was around. No, but the guy deserved it. I mean, I still I, I still can't oh, yeah, think of that. of which game it was. Do you remember, there was a game away from home, and I think he had one touch of the ball um, during the game. I mean, no professional footballer should be having them stats. So for me, he, I just lost any care about him, to be honest, at that point. Um, but yeah, mate, Andy Carroll, it, he apparently took a knock, but um, should be fit in theory. This weekend. He is controversial. Stokes swoop in and sign him. He wants to play long ball. Alex Lee wants to play long ball. There's your man to play long ball. <laughs> okay, so, well, um, to be honest, I've never, I've never got the Andy Carroll hate. I mean, he, I think he, as a person, he maybe can come across as a bit of a tool occasionally. But as a footballer, I think for a time there's anybody better was there as a as a big target man. I think he reminds me a bit like Ricky Lambert. Yeah, I think when he was at West Ham, I think he was a real. But I think he's a lot more skillful than Ricky Lambert. Yeah, I think like he's got that. He had that ability to get up above defenders and. Without fouling him, which is an art oh, form sure. in itself, when you're a big six foot five bloke, I think to actually get up and beat a defender in the air and not foul them or not give them a chance to look like you're fouling them, should I say, is uh, like I say an art form in itself. Um, yeah, as, as a footballer, I think he's he's he was very good, and I think injuries probably ravaged him, didn't they? But um, yeah, as a person, he comes across a bit of a twonk. <laughs> God, I've not heard that word in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what make of this. I mean, Andy, what's your score prediction for for the weekend, mate? Every score prediction I've given this season has been way off. Do I be boring and go nil nil? <laughs> you know, no, that, mate. Fair that enough. is the only considering. Was it we're twenty second in the home table and they're twenty third in the away table? Yes. That is the only thing I can see coming out of it. Especially if the way we're doing with transfers, we're not going to have any strikers left. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, okay. So you've got nil-nil. Interesting. Um, Dan, I'm going to see what you've got to say first, I think. Oh, okay. I'm going 2-0 Stoke. 2-0? Okay, so you're feeling quite confident then? Yeah. Okay, I'm well, gonna I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 1-1. Um, I think that we will score first and they will equalise just to send everyone home absolutely depressed to high heaven. Um, Can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. Making my weekend look very nice. Hey, don't blame me. Blame that shower that go on the pitch every bloody week, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. I I just want to to get this very quickly. I mean, it's it's, it's not a quick conversation. 
<laughs> okay. Is this? Is it lack of ability or lack of effort? Ability. So if it's a lack of, if it's lack of ability, is it fair to boo them and slate them and cheer them, jeer them and all that? Because well, they tried the best, they're just not good enough. That's not their fault. Well, oh mate, it it it's tricky, and you you know this as you said, it's not a a simple answer, right? I mean, what what I would probably say is, I don't boo players. I just I'm silent. That's that's my reaction to bad play. However, if players are playing badly, how do you let them know? If the fans are not happy with what they're seeing on the pitch, how do you let the players know? How do you let the owners know? How do you let the the, the manager know? Is I mean, silence, I guess, would work, but you're never going to get that because people are vocal. So I, I, I get it. That's, for a lot of people, that's the only way you can you can make them aware of it. Um, I think the I think the swaths of ever increasing empty seats is enough to tell the owners and oh yeah, it tells the owners. But let's face it, the manager and the players don't give two craps about when the stadium's full or not. They still get paid their money. They still have a duty to perform think, well, and I think fans have got well within the rights to tell them when they're not when they're not happy. I think if you asked any player though if they want to play in a full stadium or a half empty one, do you want to play in a fuller stadium with a great atmosphere? Or an half empty one where it's silent. I know which one ninety nine percent of players would go with. Although if they want a, a good atmosphere, mate, they shouldn't have signed for Stoke. We we haven't had that for a hell of a long time, have we? Let's be honest. Where's your famous atmosphere? And oh, that's just that and that's just that. the Stoke fans singing it, mate. Uh, honestly, no, I mean we've the fans have deserved a hell of a lot better for for a long, long time, there's a lot of apathy around the place. We've, you know, we've discussed all this, so it's no criticism yeah. of the fans whatsoever because yeah, I think we, it's we depressing. Said we, it's been driven out of them over a long period of time, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and anyone it's who goes deserves a medal. It's toxic down there at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man. Anyone who goes, like I said, then anyone who goes away, especially for me, deserves a medal. That, I don't know, that's where all the wins are. <laughs> It is, yeah, mate, we're I mean, hoping there's a win when we go. And anyone who goes to Swansea away, you all deserve to get in for free because that is what a hell of a bloody commitment. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, do we have any um audio for Mr. Graham McGarry this week? We do indeed. Oh, let's see if he can cheer us up. He's normally good for a win. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's have a, have a listen to what he had to say. Hello there, you Potter's predictors. Things aren't getting much better, are they? Well, it's been a difficult time to predict what's going to happen with Stoke City because the inconsistent run of form needs to change quickly. They're too close for comfort now and Alex Neal has to start to get things right. He'll be probably trying to be active in the January transfer window in the final two weeks of that being open. But it's all about those players that he has at his disposal now. And Reading come to the Bet365 knowing that Stoke are lacking in confidence and poor Ince and, of course, Tom Ince will be doing their best to try and take back the three points. But Stoke City somewhere, somehow, have to stop the rot. And perhaps this weekend's game against Reading at home with a Bet365 crowd right behind them can just do the trick. Come on, Stoke. Stoke won. Reading nil. Graham, thank you very much, mate. So, very conservative uh, one nil prediction. Uh, I don't think you'll be far off, if I'm honest. I think we've we've all gone through the nil nils, one nil or one one, pretty much. I know Dan's gone wild with his prediction, but uh, yeah, one nil is is certainly fair enough. Um, 
so boys, teams then for, for the weekend. Um I'm gonna go to Dan first. So are you making any wholesale changes, mate? Uh so I've got Bonham retains his place in goal, shock horror. <laughs> um Wilmot Suto Fox back three, so that's the same, isn't it? Uh, no um Jags wants it, so yeah, I'm gonna go. Right, this all depends on Sterling, actually. So if Sterling's fit, he comes in at right wing back, and then we have Wilmot, Suter, and Fox. If Sterling isn't fit, then Taylor comes in for Jagielka in the back three, and Wilmot goes to right wing back. And then Tymon is at left wing back. Lauren and Baker playing in midfield with Powell, and then I've got Campbell and Gale up front. Okay, okay. Yeah, so you feel you feeling Gale's deserving uh, a goal by now, then, yeah? Yeah, I think, or at least you know, I mean, we said earlier on, didn't we? He's despite not scoring, he's quite high up on our sort of you know player of the season standings. So play, so people are liking what they're seeing from him. I think he's he's linking up well. He's 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 done a lot of good work in and around the box and helping other bringing other people into the game, uh, and he's been unlucky in front of goal himself. I actually think sometimes like this sort of injury break here lets him sort of refocus on his goal scoring. Maybe he'll come back in and probably find the back of the net, let's be honest. And if he does, he could easily fire us to a few more victories because how many games have we just missed somebody who can just stick one of the chances away? So um, having said that, I have got Campbell and Powell down scoring with two goals. So not, not Dwight Gale. <laughs> um, but I do think he will have a part to play if he's given the nod up front. Yeah, <clears throat> mate, I think my team, to be honest, is... In fact, I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same as yours. Um, yeah, so Sterling to, in time and on the uh, the wing-backs, Fox, Suter, Wilmot, Laurent, Powell, Baker, Gail Campbell. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same as yours. Um, Andy, you may, I can't imagine you're making too many more changes than, than what we've just outlined there. No, not too many, but I've never agreed with Powell at striker. No, Powell's um, attacking midfielder, mate. Attacking midfielder. Okay, that's fair enough then. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. Uh, I bring Thompson in over Laurent, though. I absolutely absolutely love Jordan Thompson. Whenever have you looked at Jordan Thompson's game and gone, you know, he's had a bad game, he has. He's always an 8 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I I understand. The the reason I went for Laurent and Baker, and maybe for the same reason that Dan does, but um, I just think Baker's the better player when he's got Laurent next to him. Yeah, of um, course. But I suppose if you're playing Nick Powell there, I, it, it's probably too attacking. We've got no real protection yeah. for the defence. I suppose that's the problem there. So, mate, yeah, Luke Thompson's a solid defensive midfielder. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. It's, it's not a it's not a bad lineup either way. I don't think we can go any stronger than that personally right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I want to see Gale score. Said, oh, that team looks brilliant and on paper because it does, but we've never been able to get results from it. Yeah. What we just have to do with Josh Loren is, is, is sort of hope that Alex Neal this week has beaten out of him whatever made him try and turn through three Sheffield United players last week. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll be doing that again, mate, to be honest. Um, well, and that's the thing. As long as he learns from his mistake, then okay, fair enough. Don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just wanted to talk about um super six boys now andy i don't know if you've been actually keeping up to date with where you've been on super six not you? super six i have on gaffer though 
Oh, you've not done a Dan, have you? I mean, Dan's got 11 points this week, mate. I've been quite impressed with Dan. He's... I keep getting the notifications, but Super 6 just, I haven't really been bothered about, to be honest. Well, that's why you're so rubbish. Um, Dan, you're sitting um, in joint 26th for the week, Dan, just so you know, from 106. So you got 11 points, mate. Very, uh, very impressive. You uh, you predicted a Brighton win versus Liverpool. Bloody oh, hell. Very nice. Saw that one coming a mile off. Correct score of Wolves 1-0 against West Ham and Brentford 3-1 against Bournemouth and Newcastle 2-0 against Fulham. You had a pretty decent week, mate. Um, yeah, Nathan Brown got 19 points for the week. Paul Stokes got 17. And then Charlie Craven and Carl Warburton both got 16. Um, I don't even know what I got, actually. Oh, yeah, I got nine. There we go. I got nine. I know. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, just so you can hit me over the head with it. That's what it was. You're um, 55 points in front of me. I'm counting them down. <laughs> yeah, well, I, d- I don't know about Gaffer, mate, this week. I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look at Gaffer for us, but yeah, no doubt I'm, I'm still in 32nd. I've dropped place. I'm in 28th with 1429. Andy has dropped place. He's, he's in 31st on 1413. And you've dropped a place. You're in 36th on 1383. So, Ooh. yeah, not uh, too bad. Uh, sorry, Jack Curran still leads the way, 2109. Uh, at Stoke Gaffer is in second, 2022. And at FPL underscore Trini is 1996. It was actually Pookie Blinders, his team. Uh, where's Wally in fourth? Floppy Stars in fifth. Steve Bruce is up in sixth. Uh, apparently, maybe making a return to management. So, oh, yeah, Steve Bruce. How oh, is he? Is he? Uh, is he living in the Midlands then? Is he? By the time we go, we had a new manager, and so we hadn't had this one. We had this one too long, I think. <laughs> Four and a half months. Yeah, yeah. We, we we can't have him going too high up that uh, long long service list. Yes, apparently he may be on his way back to a championship side. So we shall see. I heard that um, Chris Kamara got offered a management job. Just very random, by the way. He's still Stoke related, kind of. Um, but you got you got offered a management job. Apparently, find that a bit strange. Um, yeah. I don't know if he, yeah. yeah, well, recently he did. He did an interview the other day and said he got offered a um, a, a, a strong, considerable, historic team or some nonsense like that that he got offered a management job, but he wanted to do it part time instead of full time. So, mm-hmm. a little bit of useless knowledge for you there, but I thought it was quite interesting. Um, okay, well, just one thing I wanted to mention before we kind of start to wrap things up. Um, if anyone hasn't listened to it uh, by now, I'll be surprised. But uh, obviously, we had a special with Gary Meller. So, uh, yeah, obviously, football agents. I know that it's had very good reviews. So thank you to everyone who's left some really nice comments. Um, but, yeah, so Gary is the the agent of uh, Connor Taylor and, and a number of players. He's moved in and out of the club over the years. So if you want to just know how transfers come about, what an actual agent's role is, of course, we ask a couple of questions about Stoke naturally. Um, couple, yeah, he was very good. He answered pretty much everything we wanted answering. He was very um, cagey on, uh, I'd say, Remain Sawyer's when I asked him about that one. I, I, I was expecting it, if I'm honest with you. I didn't expect him to give me a straight answer on that one. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the the thought of... Uh, what, what were the two players we almost signed, Dan? Yarmolenko and um, Sanchez, Alexis was it? Sanchez? Yeah, yeah, so we were very, very close, uh, uh, them coming through the door which I thought was uh, fascinating. So, yeah, you're going to have to listen to it anyway if you haven't already. 
Um, I think that just about does it, unless either of you boys have got anything else to add. Uh, one last thing I will just say is yeah. the, uh, the red and white Christmas appeal. It's end, it closes in four days, or four days from now, so at the end of the weekend. So uh, anyone who was looking, you know, was maybe on their thing, list of things, to-do list, and that is to um, you know, donate into that, that very, you know, very worthy cause that we were doing. And yeah, you got four, obviously, till Sunday to get your donations in. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can have one last little push over the weekend and just raise a little, a few more, a few more pounds than that for for some very good local charities. I was going to say, I think are, are we are we about six and a half grand, Dan? I think something like that. Uh, yeah, the, the total eyes are on there says five and a half, but we do know that there is uh, just under a thousand pound coming as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've done an amazing job um, on that last big donation, mate. You know, so thanks to everyone again who's been donating over the last few months. It's, it's, it's a crazy amount of money. Uh, the way the world is right now, so amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I guess you know, Andy, thanks for joining us, mate. It was good to, good to hear you back. I'm sure you'll be back again in the future at some point. Anytime, um, mate. Anytime. Ho- hopefully, we'll all be a little bit more upbeat and happy you know talking about automatic promotion and well hopefully it's not gonna be that long i mean you, you'll be about 55 by then won't you <laughs> well, it was 23 years that we had to wait last time was it yeah it's gonna be it a was. lot longer than that i'm gonna have a wife kids and a family by then yeah, you'll still be going away games um but no oh, mate you thank it. you for thank you for joining us um dan uh as always mate always good to speak to you um and uh yeah i guess we'll catch you all uh next week when hopefully we're talking about three more points away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.